0: Welcome to Energy 360, the podcast from the CSI's Energy and National Security Program. I'm your host, Lisa Hyland. This week, we return to India and its ambitious agenda for improving electrification and energy access across its 29 states. Following New York Climate Week last month, my colleague Kartikay Singh had the opportunity to talk with two people who are on the ground making it possible for India to meet this target for universal energy access. Indra Kashari, resident commissioner and the former power secretary for the state of Madhya Pradesh. Madhya Pradesh raised its rate of electricity access from just under 70% in 2015 to 100% in 2019 through a combination of state and central government efforts. Also joining is Hudra Jaffer, the lead designer with Selco Foundation. Selco helps serve poor communities using sustainable energy solutions, and they are a pioneer in off-grid solar technology in India and globally. Let's turn it over to Kartake now for his discussion with Huda and Indraji. So
1: let's try to unpack um, what's happened in the energy access space in India, just in the last five years. Um, Madhya Pradesh is a very large state, Uh, you know, we were very pleased to have you speak at our New York Climate Week event yesterday, highlighting uh, the challenge of electrifying such a large state. Um, Can you describe uh, a little bit what the unique challenges are for our audience? Madhya Pradesh is a very
2: large state far-flung area, lots of tribal population, lots of forest also. If you see the eastern part of Madhya Pradesh, almost eight districts are tribal-dominated. And the characteristic of a tribal-dominated area or district is the population is sparsely located. One village may have 7, 8, 10, 20 hamlets. 10 people, 20 people staying in those homelands and those homelands may may be a a mile or two away from each other. So, the first was far-flung areas. Then, difficult terrains. I mean, Siddhi, Singrawali, Badwani, Jhabua, Alirajpur, Mandla, Dindori. It's very difficult areas inside to reach. Then, accessibility. You know, during rains, half of the state just get cut off. You, you can't have so many bridges built wherever there are 10-20 houses or families staying. You can't build the bridge. So inaccessibility is also one of the major challenges when we went. Third was organizing hmm. material and transporting it.
1: Hmm.
2: So these were major challenges. Awareness was not. Hmm. a challenge. People were aware of the use of electricity and what difference it will make in their life. So they were also willing to take it. So that hmm. these are challenges.
1: Great. Well, and you know, um, Huda, this is a, a space um, particularly with those kinds of challenges in particular where um, it's no surprise that it's difficult to extend grid um, for for the last several decades to these places that solutions that um, you know champions like Selco have been, Uh, providing for a few decades now uh, have a role to play. Um, So can you talk a little bit about um, what has been your experience as Celco in in operating in that environment and the kinds of interventions and solutions that you provide?
3: Right. Um, sure, so we've always looked at energy as an input for something. Uh, you know energy in itself cannot really remove poverty. You need a lot of other aspects to come together to actually tackle the complex issue of poverty. So what we've always done is looked at what is the energy needed for and how do you catalyze that development piece So sort of keeping development at the center, but always using energy as a catalyst. So basically how do you use SDG7 as a catalyst to spur education? health, livelihoods in rural areas. So say, for example, we work on, um, you know, a, a efficient projector, which is solar powered, which goes into every rural classroom. But people don't adopt it because it is solar powered. People adopt it because it comes with the content to teach the students, right? It comes with teacher training modules. So it's that, you know, and it's just by the way, solar powered. Right. So for us, we've always seen energy as can we make it, uh, you know, it's everything being by the way, uh, clean energy driven and complementing the existing energy scenario uh, within the states or within the regions that we work in. So um, basically what we do is look at how can we build local rural entrepreneurs and civil society in these areas that a lot of them, which uh, Indraji was referring to, uh, to actually deliver these solutions, to install these solutions, to service these solutions, to maintain these solutions, to train people on the solutions, because it's not, I mean, doing, I think, energy, renewable energy related programs are easy, but maintaining and owning and running them is is the part where a lot of innovation is uh, it, that, that can come up in rural areas.
2: Basically. Yeah, I'll pick up where Muda sure. left. See, I'm a old war horse in energy <laughs> sector. <laughs> so I take energy as a prime mover of all economic and today even social activities. If you see the television and mobile phones, have really made a difference in awareness, knowledge, in social and cultural life of the people. These days, everyone has a mobile. Everyone has at least one mobile phone in India. So when we moved in, Sobhag scheme, I asked my senior officers one question. Suppose you have put in 25 years, 30 years, someone has put in 35 years. Have you any moment in your life where you could create or make history. They said, no. Then I said, here is an occasion. And occasion is, if you can be first, everyone will do it. All 12 states will do it today or tomorrow. It's a question of whether you do it 10 months, 15 months or 20 months. So first tell me if you want to be part of history or you want to be part of annexer. So they were quite charged, they want to be part of history, and there we picked up. Mm. Immediately we put people on the job. Lots of suggestions. Once you know you charge them, you empower them. We delegated lots of power and out all out-of-box thinking, local innovation, and we supported them. There was not a central template. Central template was that the work should be good quality every household should be connected no one should be left you do it today or tomorrow but 31st october was my internal target
1: and this was separate from the central government's target central government target was december that's right
2: december even march okay first it was march which year we, let's
1: but, clarify the year yeah. 2019
2: 2019 march 2019 when the scheme was launched march 2019 was the target then prime minister posted to December 18. We wanted to complete by October 18.
1: It's a really interesting model, uh, you know, to spur competition within states and amongst states uh, to try to accelerate the task of of uh, trying to get every household connected, um, and it one wonders why it didn't come about sooner uh, as as a concept. Uh, but the fact that ultimately this competition competition based uh, model uh, got the job uh, of providing connections done is is quite remarkable. Um, so, given now that every household is connected, um, there are uh, you know there's an expanded grid uh, in place. Um, now that throws up interesting challenges and opportunities so who the can you highlight some of how um, firms uh, that are operating in this environment that have been providing energy access services um, what what role do they have and how can they operate in this change landscape yeah,
3: absolutely I think what uh, so was talking about it brings us to the whole changing landscape and the changing narrative on energy um, so for us we always look at whether or not uh, you know a community or an end user is completely 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 on-grid or off-grid or semi-on-grid, either of those, um, you know, if decentralized energy solutions are a complementing option for livelihoods, for health, for education, it is something that complements and goes very well. So just to give you an example, some of the highest performing branches uh, within Karnataka at least on decentralized energy are actually in completely electrified areas where the maximum sales are happening of energy, of renewable energy, of decentralized energy, right? And it's a compliment. Some people use this as the main and grid as the backup. Some people use grid as the main and this as the backup. And that I think is what the future is going to be where, you know, the decentralized energy solutions are only going to strengthen and empower the energy story that is there in India, right? So that is one aspect. In terms of the innovation for the enterprise side of it that are delivering energy services, specifically to the last mile, there's a lot of shift going from lighting mobile charging to a lot more into health, education and livelihood services. Just to give you an example, a lot of the appliances that we have, right, even in the health sector. Today, the government is procuring, say, for example, baby warmers or vaccine refrigerators, which are extremely inefficient. Um, you know, and just, I mean, a typical baby warmer would be between 1000 to 1500 watts. But what's available in the market is really a 150 watt baby warmer with no compromise on quality or efficiency. That's almost a 90% reduction in Mm. energy consumption. So be it on grid or off grid, the efficiency story is something that really needs to be brought to light because I think that can strengthen a lot of the access challenge, even for utilities, Mm. if it's used a lot more efficiently, right? So I think the innovation that the enterprises are bringing is one, on the efficiency side, and the second is really on the financing side. So to give you an example, a last mile enterprise who's doing say a roti rolling, a, a bread making machine, in um, um, you know, or a laptop printer Xerox shop, uh, for them, if they get a two year, three year financing with inbuilt backup energy of renewable energy, distributed energy, they will take it irrespective of whether they are, because it's that reliable four to eight hours of energy that is needed at the end, right? So I think it's a, um, it's something that enterprises move more into uh, integrated solution mm-hmm. and more packaged solutions rather than focusing only on the supply side. Yeah. So it's more on the need-based demand side, mm-hmm. uh, which is now moving uh, in most states that we work.
1: You in. know, and this came up in some of our conversation yesterday up in New York of... Um, the role of, uh, you know, in this change landscape, newly expanded service area for these utilities, um, m- tens of millions of new consumers who need uh, a certain amount of demand stimulation. You know, Energy now needs to be consumed through all kinds of forms for economic activity. Uh, there's a role for innovation in the appliances space. Uh, and there's a way to try to to integrate uh, some of these solutions. Now, um, Inderji, let me ask you, so with uh, the expanded service area for these three DISCOMs in, in Madhya Pradesh, um, what does this mean now, uh, in terms of uh, trying to? So you know, the Sabha guitar get uh, came into place, and in the first the first goal was extending uh, connections and, and the wires. Frankly, the government had the program,
2: but the government never went whole hog on this program. The credit goes to present prime minister of not only going whole hog in a focused one year or fifteen months window do it. And we all did it. So going on any program whole hog with complete dedication makes the difference. But after making an, an electricity accessible to each household, here are the problems also. The first is maintaining the quality of power supply, mm-hmm. especially in the far-flung areas. Because grid stability, If there's something happens, you have to go all the way to rectify or repair things. So, new maintenance practices has to be devised. You can't make someone dependent on electricity and then for 10, 15 days you don't supply power. Mm -hmm. So that's one major challenge. Second major challenge is going to be affordability third is metering billing collection that is commercial efficiency because you buy power and then supply it's not like a water supply i mean irrigation water supply where you, which you lift from the river or make canal and people do it it's not road that once capital cost is made it's done madhya pradesh is supplying power worth 100 to 125 crore rupees every day. So people got used to pay, get get into the habit of paying because these days government has come up with all populist measure, and then people expect that this will also not be paid for. So n- n- the payment mechanism, collection, Correct billing, correct billing is also one of the, and here we will certainly look for partners, technology, which can help us with correct billing, meter reading, bill delivery and payments. Now, Madhya Pradesh government has come up with a scheme of 100 rupees for 100 units. And the rest of the money will be paid by the state government. So, it's a, the government has already, in one stroke, made it affordable for those classes where it matters. Almost 90% consumer of Madhya Pradesh, domestic consumer of Madhya Pradesh, are 100 unit. So, for them, government has made it affordable. So it
1: sounds like there's a little bit of convergence here.
3: Absolutely, in terms of, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, here is where a lot of the the other p- pieces of the puzzle on appliance financing, on solution financing, actually comes in, because I think as as uh, rightly um, uh, said, it's also not it's also planning for future demand, right? So current demand and is one thing, but in the future, because of you know jobs and enterprises and industries thriving, there is a convergence that comes in. Uh, Both on the efficiency side, on the decentralized distributed energy side, as well as on the built environment side also. So, sir, just to, I mean, one of the things that we realized is because of the way that buildings are designed or homes are designed, very often during the day itself, people are using lights, fans, and that also presents a very good opportunity from an energy perspective to actually reduce the consumption. I mean, just to give you an example, uh, health center design, if it's designed in the right manner with good natural lighting, ventilation, passive heating and cooling, it can literally reduce over 60% energy in the next 10 years that the health center consumes.
0: Uh-huh. You know, Just
3: by building in some building guidelines for these health centers or the households also that we work with. So things like natural lighting and ventilation, passive heating and cooling, they're good integration along with the efficiency piece to actually further strengthen both on-grid and off-grid solutions and make them more affordable, as Sir so rightly put, uh, affordability being the key uh, factor here. So.
1: Right. And the government has the power um, through sort of large scale procurement, as we've seen with Energy Efficiency Services Limited, but also central and state schemes to be able to shape those designs for large scale build out, right? So, and we've at CSIS had the fortune of in, interacting with several great uh, officials leading different departments at, in Madhya Pradesh, and I believe one of your colleagues who was uh, formerly leading the Urban Development Department had talked about, um, and correct me if I'm wrong, is it the Awas, Yojana that is the household? Yes. Uh, the affordable housing scheme, um, you know, trying to incorporate uh, efficient building design into that, because that's the control that, you know, the government has the control, and the ability to design affordable housing to be more efficient, to induct, if Efficient technologies in it. Um, but the other thing that I wanted to touch on that an innovative idea that we'd also heard from Madhya Pradesh, from another one of your good colleagues, uh, is, uh, you know, for, for home loans, um, you know, as India is trying to meet its national solar target, and the state has certainly a portion of that to, uh, to establish, wouldn't it be interesting to have regulation that um, built rooftop solar into the home loan? Uh, so that you were able to meet rooftops. So is that something that you've he- heard of? I'd love your thoughts both of your thoughts on that. Um. See, they must do it, and
2: the new consumer, which have come in last one one and a half year, they are all aspirational consumers. They are looking what they are looking at where they want to go, so their consumption is bound to grow, and they are at that stage where they can always incorporate solar, incorporate the natural lighting mechanism. So all these things are must. These days in urban local bodies, especially Delhi and all, if you go for a building permission, new building permission, they look at what is, how much power you'll be generating on your roof first. Mm-hmm. what is the natural lighting and ventilation scenario mm-hmm. so energy efficiency and not all government buildings especially in delhi are at least griha 3 compliant
1: and that's a building and yeah. that's a building standard, code right? yeah. building Absolutely. code yeah, yeah.
3: I think you you hit on a really great directionality in which the sector itself can move because the 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 key to a lot of this is actually finance uh, and you hit on housing finance or livelihood finance and integrating that because housing finance is actually an asset based loan which is not very and in India's asset is the forty thousand rural branches and the whole strong banking network that India has which things can really be piggybacked on and scaled um, you know with the right will and intention but. Definitely adding in an energy component, a decentralized energy component, specifically solar, becomes a lot more possible and easy and plausible to actually look at this story of you're getting a 10-year loan or an eight-year loan extended by a year, two years, and you have a completely strong efficiency and sustainability or sustainable energy story at the household level or at a business level as well. In fact, um, with the MP government itself, um, many of this livelihood solutions that we're working on, they fit in very well into the rural livelihood mission schemes. They fit in very well into things like Mudra or Sindh Mahila, where basically the government has come up with low interest loans for women entrepreneurs or for small and micro and MSMEs. Um, and those are basically places where integrated en- or distributed energy makes the most sense to be packaged with these financing solutions. So it's it's definitely a direction in which uh, the sector can move very strongly.
1: Yeah, I honestly thought that was a really, it was just a, uh, a small conversation that we had with someone. And uh, when he mentioned it, I was quite surprised and floored that it was such a simple idea. Uh, um, but, uh, you know, given all the difficulties that particularly distributed generation firms have had of socializing to bank branch managers, what it is to provide asset loans for solar right. historically, it's just sort of it's baked into exactly. uh, a home loan, which is much more comprehensible. Awesome. And right. um, it just it meets the twin target. People right. get their home and the rooftop right. solar target is met. It addresses issues of reliability right. and stability. Right. Right. Um, and, uh, and it's been interesting to see how some of the most innovative ways of integrating um, energy uh, is through the sort of multiple services right. and the, the interdepartmental collaboration that we've heard of happening in so many of the states. Okay, so let's let's talk a little bit about um, one of the key programs or innovations of, of the Madhya Pradesh government. Um, you know, Madhya Pradesh really surprised, I would say, not just other states in India but global stakeholders by pushing the bounds of bringing down the per kilowatt cost of solar power. Uh, produced uh, through the projects that the state has really initiated. Um, can you tell us about how this was achieved? See, the Rigwa Solar Park was the first
2: experiment with ultra-mega solar park, like ultra-mega power project on the thermal side when where we did 4,000 megawatt at one location. 750 megawatt at one location when we did thought of people thought, it's, it's not possible. How do you manage transmission? How do you manage land? How do you manage other services? So, Madhya Pradesh government and seki got their act together, made a company, Riva Solar Rums, Riva Mega Solar Project. Then we managed land. We roped in World Bank, IFC, and Power Grid they agreed to make the grid transmission evacuation system land was there then came the PPA almost 80% power is coming to Madhya Pradesh discount 20% going to Delhi Metro so the PPA were signed then the World Bank and IFC suggested if they get robust pay- payment mechanism because this is such a large project, you may get good bidders and low tariff also. So this is, Riva is the first project where there are three payment security mechanism. LC is normal. LC is there. Sorry, you're going to have to spell out LC. And there's letter of credit. Ah, letter okay. of credit. I mean, if I don't pay for 45 days, you have a letter yes. of credit which you can encast in a bank. So you are not at a loss. Then the other was escrow. My account is escrowed. Whatever is due to you, will you will have a first charge on that money. In Riva case, we gave a state guarantee also. The government of... It's a sovereign guarantee to the bidders and the project. That if these two fails... Madhya the state government will honor and pay for you. So this was the only project where state guarantee was given. We went to the cabinet right. and got a state guarantee. So land, evacuation system, robust payment security mechanism, got the tariff down. And then economy of scale, 250 megawatt one block, it's a huge project. So the economy of scale really brought on and we discovered the tariff of 2 rupees 95, 97 paisa as levelized tariff and all three modules have been commissioned, the project
1: is working. With any thoughts on Yeah, uh,
3: on absolutely. This? I think one of the things that we've been trying to do, sir, is look at how the land that is used for large megawatt solar and the water that is used to clean those panels, how can we actually optimize and make most efficient the usability of the land that happens with uh, large-scale solar? Because I think a lot of these plants don't factor in, maybe, I mean, sometimes they don't factor in the long-term costs of land and water and the usability of that. So some of the pilot that we're actually doing now, how can we design the panel systems in a manner that the land can actually be uh, agro land itself and it does not actually become a wasteland where there are only panels. Can we actually look at interfacing them in a manner where you can still do agriculture, you can still have a good system to clean which doesn't involve the amount of water utilization on those uh, to clean that level of panel, especially in the drier states and drought prone Mm. states where the plants are actually coming up Uh, that could definitely be a great integration so within the existing and the newer plants that you are planning, we would love to see how we can work together. That's
1: interesting. You know, with pioneering new large scale projects like this, you're always going to be the first to to deal with new challenges that come with them. And, uh, you know, being, I guess, one step ahead uh, to be able to integrate and to deal sure. with some of those um, issues is going to be key to working hand in hand. Sure. Um, so... Uh, with that, I want to thank you both uh, for joining us uh, for this discussion. Um, It's been an exciting time, I think, for India to um, achieve a a target of of getting every household connected uh, to the grid or through off-grid systems, uh, a a promise since independence, um, and now trying to meet uh, the promise of uh, increasing ambition uh, to integrate large-scale renewables, which states like Madhya Pradesh are certainly leading in. um, And and to deal with all the innovative and interesting, all the interesting new challenges uh, that have arised as a result of this newly connected landscape um, and the opportunities that are presented. So thank you both.
0: Thanks to Kartikaya for hosting this week's episode. Check out the, the work CSIS has been leading as part of the U.S. and India state and urban initiative. We recently published a series of briefs highlighting state-level progress on India's electrification agenda, including one on Madhya Pradesh. And want to hear more Energy 360? You can find us at CSIS.org, on Apple Podcasts, on Stitcher, and on Spotify. And follow us on Twitter at CSIS Energy.